Hey everybody, this is Tina Lehman here with our latest podcast installment. Today we are sitting down with the man, the myth, the legend, our very own CEO, Jared Brigham, to talk about the wild hurricane season we've had. It certainly was a wild one, Tina. We, uh, the last four months or so have just been unbelievably crazy at the office. I think we've probably put in about eight or nine months worth of work yes. during that four months. Four months seems like so long ago. For sure. But we, I just, starting off with Hurricane Harvey, um, we had an unbelievable amount of activity going on Hurricane Harvey, and then Irma making landfall, you know, about three weeks after right. Harvey. Two Category 4 storms on two different coastlines was something that hasn't happened for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's a worst-case scenario. Right, right. Certainly happened before, but not for a long time. Um, we can't forget about Nate, which, which blew in after Irma, was just a Category 1 storm, but uh, got our blood pumping again mm-hmm. uh, for the third time on the hurricane side. And then, of course, the, the California wildfires. We had just a, a great response to the California wildfires, which were just such a, a devastating series of events out in Northern California. And now Southern California is still burning today. Yeah. But, you know, you look at... Well, and let's not forget Maria in Puerto Maria, Rico. Maria, Puerto Rico, yes. And yeah. It's just been a devastating... Kind of an afterthought, adding insult to injury on an already terrible season so yeah uh, uh, u.s territory with three and a half million american citizens there mm-hmm. i mean it's just unbelievable the devastation yeah combined with you know power outages and, and what's happened there it's just a lot of suffering and unfortunate circumstances for the the citizens in puerto rico and and a lot of citizens here in the absolutely US. but uh yeah going back to to harvey just the beginning of all of this some of the things that harley harvey did that we have never seen before dropping I think it was 27 trillion gallons of, of rain Wow an all-time record for rainfall uh, measured in in one place in the US I think Cedar Bayou Texas had nearly 52 inches of rain in that period just can't imagine yeah an unbelievable rain event I mean it was just crazy to see the devastation in Houston after the devastation in, in the Corpus Christi Victoria area so. mm-hmm. And then followed shortly uh, with Hurricane Irma, which had sustained winds. Irma, when it was out to sea, had sustained winds over 185 miles an hour for more than 37 hours, which was a new record for for any uh, tropical cyclone in the world. Wow. And then, you know, Nate, while it might not have been uh, uh, much for the U.S., a, a Category 1 storm usually... We get maybe one Category 1 storm in the season. We've had mm-hmm. two Category 4s, a Category 1, and the Maria um, in Puerto Rico. So just an unprecedented hurricane season, followed up by the California wildfires in Northern yeah, California. Just no no rest there. You know, people, usually hurricane season is kind of your last hurrah, and then you get to go home and rest and pick up again in spring storm season. And there was no rest for the weary this season. I mean, adjusters got finished with hurricane claims and went straight out to work the fires. Yeah, and it really speaks to the commitment of the independent adjusting community. I mean, we had a lot of people that were very tired after working the hurricanes. They did not want to go to California, (laughs) but they saw the devastation out there. Um, New people needed help, and they bucked up and did it. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's when you look at California with um, so many fatalities, I mean, Mm -hmm. more fatalities than any fire uh, in recent history. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and... And now picking up again uh, in Southern California, it just mm-hmm. seems like California can't get a break, just like the coastline's going to get a break right. during hurricane season. So, um, 
you talk about some of the records and rainfall and winds, but we also had an unbelievable amount of insured losses during this period. I think the insured losses uh, for the, the hurricanes and the fire combined were between 82 and $130 billion. Yeah, damage. that's kind of what I've heard. Yeah. Um, and Which then, is almost hard to even quantify, you know? Yeah. I mean, bill, when you get into billions, it's like I can't even... Well, it's... A, such a, a nebulous number. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to note, too, the difference between insured loss uh, totals and, and economic loss totals. Sure. Because when you when you talk about economic losses uh, from those those storms and the and the fires being between 200 and 290 billion dollars. Wow. It's quite a difference. You know, there's Huge. a lot of uninsured lost in those storms and then uh, for perspective, you, you compare it against like a Katrina event where the economic losses on Katrina were between 180 and 250 billion. Mm -hmm. It was way up there. Um, yeah, well, and you know, off your point of economic losses, insured losses, uninsured losses, that was part of what was so tragic about Houston is so many of those people didn't have flood insurance. Um, and of course, that's when FEMA comes in. And, you know, we had seen that between the Florida and Texas events, about $2 billion had been re pardon me, released by FEMA um, for household program dollars. So, you yeah. know, it helps yeah. some, but it certainly doesn't fully bring those people back to whole to what they need. Well, yeah, and they're, they're not done, um, no. certainly, in Houston. But, yeah, it's, it's sad. I think Houston's um, policy concentration for NFIP insurance was only around 18 percent mm -hmm. yeah and in sections of houston that got flooded even way less the, so yeah absolutely when you think about less than 20 percent of the people actually having some type of insurance for the loss that yeah. may have have devastated their home completely it's a it's a big loss to bear for um, those policyholders, and mm -hmm. I'm glad that FEMA has has stepped in and yeah. and is helping out. But there's only so much they can do. Yeah, and it's hard for our adjusters because you go out there, and unfortunately, you're having to tell people there is no coverage mm -hmm. in these devastating situations where people's people have lost everything. So right. you know that adds another layer of difficulty to an already difficult job. Mm -hmm. Certainly so. So those are some pretty staggering storm figures, Jared. Let's talk about Eberl numbers. Tell us a little bit about some of our internal stats from these devastating events. Yeah, we have had a record-setting year. Um, it, it has eclipsed previous records that, that Eberl has had for hurricane season response. Probably like from a Katrina or an Ike, I would imagine, would be our, our more recent yeah, big cat years. It, it was Katrina, mm -hmm. and that was our record, and then it was Ike, and that was our record, and then uh, Sandy became the new record. So we just we, keep outdoing ourselves. Yeah, well, we just we keep growing, and that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a great thing to, to that's have. That's the point. So. But we handled, in the field, we handled over 60,000 claims for, for the hurricanes and for the fires. Wow. Uh, that kind of encompasses our field claims from August, September, and October. Mm -hmm. uh, we also handled thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of claims from an in-office environment, um, auto claims as well. Sure. Boat Touched claims, tens yes. of thousands of claims, yeah. yeah. We we not only handled claims, we filled a lot of, of different roles for these, these storms. We were providing first notice of loss representatives, we were providing uh, claims processors, so not just handling claims, but all things claims related. Mm -hmm. so, um, our payroll department issued nearly 19,000 payroll checks. 
which is just incredible. I mean, I think it's amazing. We do all of our payroll in-house by hand. Mm -hmm. People may not know that. And for those of you listening out there, I have two words, paper cuts. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of envelope stuffing. And obviously um, we do that because we know that really helps folks out in the field. You know, you've got expenses, you're racking up debt while you're out there on the road. So we know the the vital importance of getting money in people's hands. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and you don't find companies anymore that do payroll weekly. Correct. And it's it's a, something that sets us apart from our competition uh, and certainly something that adds a lot of complexity to our payroll to process sure. it weekly. But when you talk about you know, almost 19,000 payroll checks in that Over three, a several-month period. period. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a lot of uh, payroll to process, so... We, uh, you know, our compliance and licensing department also kicks into gear during times like this. And I I found it very interesting to to note that we we issued around 950 emergency license. I say we issued, we applied for and were issued for our adjusters over 950 emergency adjuster licenses. Wow. Um, Texas, of course, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi. And then California, we have to register out there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of activity in the compliance and licensing department. Um, during this this period, you know, when we go through these, these big storms, the industry gets a lot of press. So we have a lot of people uh, applying uh, to work with us, yeah. whether it's from a uh, industry outside of ours or from our industry looking to come to work forever. A related but, construction field. Right, right. Word gets out yeah. that there's work. Uh, we received in this period almost 3,300 applications, which is wow. crazy because I remember when I first started working at the home office in the 98, 99 mm-hmm. time frame after I came in from the field, we didn't have 3,000 people on our database. So. Yeah, I started in 01, and I don't think, I mean, it took us a couple of years to break 3,000, yeah. I seem to recall. So Yeah, so new applicants over 3,300 in a three-month time frame is, is and I would guess the majority of that was probably within like a month and a half like a six week period probably yeah, yeah I would I would guess as well so uh, we we certainly broke as I mentioned earlier our previous records for total numbers deployed uh, the previous record as we as we talked about was in Sandy uh, so it had been five years since we had had a big test like that and what how many did we deploy for Sandy do you remember Jared uh, we were... Was it 12? Yeah, okay. right around 1,200. So. 12 and change, yeah. yeah. But uh, we also have done a lot of client certifications during this period. So we certified almost 1,000 a a thousand adjusters during wow. this period. So it's uh, the training department, the compliance department, the payroll department. Everybody the, burned the midnight oil everybody to get people the out there. Oil. and. Yeah get help in where the where the help needs to be. I know the uh, learning and development department burned the midnight oil many nights, um, you know, certifying people and helping them through the exams. And it, we were fortunate that we had the opportunity to certify those additional resources and, sure. you know, kind of build up the industry again. Like you said, it, we'd had some couple of slow years there. Mm-hmm. So it was nice that we were able to kind of build up some resources again. Yeah, really, it had been five years since 2012 of fairly benign catastrophe yeah. activity. So there had been some attrition. Um, Absolutely. We couldn't uh, sustain the, the levels that we had as far as capacity mm-hmm. for adjusters uh, that we had in 2012. And so we had to build some of that capacity back up. Sure. 
those are really some impressive numbers, I think, on the Ebrel side. Um, I think it's also important to note that when Hurricane Harvey hit, we already had hundreds of people in existing CAT, non-CAT, and daily operations around the country for numerous clients, including AAA, American Family, Liberty Mutual, Farm Bureau, Mutual of Enumclaw, ASI, TWIA, CNA, and of course our largest client, which is also the largest carrier in the U.S. Jared, I know that we worked for a lot of other companies during the hurricanes. Can you kind of give us a rundown of who we worked for and where during the storms? Yeah, well, of course, we were working for the largest client um, that you mentioned yeah. that writes uh, more homeowners and, and auto insurance than any other carrier in the U.S., mm -hmm. and we were virtually in every state. Sure. Um, not only for the hurricanes and the fires, but for other operations around the country. Yeah, it's important to note that other things didn't just stop when right. the hurricanes happened. Right. I mean, we would be getting deployment requests in, and then just randomly we'd get like a rope and harness request for Wisconsin. Right. It's like, well, but, you know, it's good because there's always going to be those people that don't want to work the hurricanes. Sure. So we were able to keep filling needs other places. It wasn't like operations just ceased because resources were going to the hurricanes. Exactly. Um, but we had people working, obviously, for a lot of clients. Um, we had ASI uh, claims going in Florida and Georgia and uh, Texas. We had Liberty Mutual claims going in Texas and Florida. Uh, of course, TWIA and TFPA in Texas. Big down um, there. Hoheim Prairie Farm Mutual is also a Texas insurer. RVOS is a Texas mutual insurer that we had uh, Harvey claims for. Mm-hmm. Uh, CNA and Century, we did a lot of commercial work uh, for all of the states affected. Yeah, commercial was and big this year. It, it certainly was. And then uh, UPC, uh, we picked up work in Florida for UPC, which was um, a great new addition to our client base. And sure. we're still doing work for them. Uh, and we also started working with MetLife during that time, didn't we? We did. Uh, we were still working with MetLife doing a, a proof of concept, so to speak, mm -hmm. in a couple of daily uh, aligned territories. Excellent. So we're looking to expand our relationship with them as we move forward into 2018. So. so hurricane season can definitely be a roller coaster. Let's talk about some of the challenges that are associated with hurricanes in general and the impact Harvey and Irma specifically had on Ebrel. Yeah, hurricane season and hurricanes in general do pre present a lot of challenges and, and logistics is certainly one of those challenges. Uh, just trying to look at a hurricane before it makes landfall and decide where it's going to go and where you're going to need to set up mm -hmm. is part of the battle. But It's a guessing game. Yeah, you've got to try and make a, make a plan and, and be able to adjust that plan as you go. Mm -hmm. uh, you never really know what you're up against until it all plays out. I mean, I think you remember Matthew. Sure. I, on, you know, I think it was October 6th, a Thursday evening, I was watching... <laughs> as we all were at the office. <laughs> it's amazing how you have total recall of that moment, Jared. <laughs> Listen, uh, Matthew was a very frustrating storm for us and, and many in the industry and very uh, welcoming for the f citizens of Florida because the Weather Channel, all of the um, uh, climatologists were saying Matthew is going to hit Miami. I days. remember blow right up through Miami yeah. and we were all nervous yeah uh, it, it was yeah. going right into miami date as a as a category four storm and as of which is worst case scenario yeah as of 5 p.m eastern time on october 6th that was the case and you know there were sirens going off and bells and everything right going off the office well the, the, <laughs> the 9 p.m update came out and it had moved about 60 miles right. east and the the updated um forecast didn't have it touching florida at all so 
all of our planning and everything that we right. were geared up for kind of went out the window. So that kind of illustrates the the um, difficulties in trying to project what the storm's going to mm-hmm. do. But going back to the logistics piece and, and how we try and gear up for these things, you know, we are constantly trying to evaluate, okay, what clients is this going to affect? What states is it, are, is it going to affect? Yeah. What is their uh, policies penetration how many policies do they have enforced in this general area mm-hmm. do we have modeling data that we can put to it licensing um, that we might need yeah ho- securing meeting space yeah yeah and you know it's 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 always okay it's going to let make landfall at point a mm-hmm. um, but that storm doesn't peter out at point a it continues right. to go and affect other states and other cities and so you're you're not just dealing with one area. A hurricane mm-hmm. affects many, many areas, and you normally have a lot of offices that you've got to set up. You've got a lot of different logistics you got to figure out. Sure. you got to figure out training, um, all of the things that go along with induction and orientation centers. Mm-hmm. I think with, um, with these storms, we had over 25 offices in eight different states. So yeah. those were just the major offices. It doesn't include the some of the smaller satellite offices, all the meetings in hotel rooms and conference centers and, um, you know, Starbucks or wherever people could meet up and kind of work on claims together, get, get good internet connection. I mean, mm-hmm. all of po- challenges that are posed when you're going to an area that has been devastated by a storm. And, you know, like you said, we had so many different locations and that was some were inside operations with hundreds of people. Some were field operations um, where they were checking in hundreds of people each day and then sending them out to the field. So that's a whole nother animal of getting people to the right place at the right time for the right orientation. Um, You know, people get caught up in the storms themselves. They have damaged themselves. So there's a lot of moving parts there. Yes, and, and as soon as you think you have it figured out, then something changes. It changes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So there are always those things you have to adjust on the fly, and you talk about all the different locations. I mean, there's also many, many different roles we're filling nowadays. Sure. So we're filling, you know, residential property adjusters. We're also filling um, auto field adjusters and rope and harness adjusters and commercial property adjusters. Uh, we're putting assistants and trainees out in the field to work with those adjusters mm-hmm. to either learn the trade or help that adjuster be productive. Um, we, you know, when you look at the in-office units, we're we're filling first notice of loss folks. We're filling yeah. claims processors. Uh, it runs the gamut. I mean, I've just highlighted a few of the roles that we fill, but it's no longer a business where you're just deploying a catastrophe. Just field adjusters yeah, to just, go do inspection. Yeah, lots different than it used to be. 